We are, as you know, um, continuing now in our, in our series of, of movies in faith. And uh, what we're looking at is, as we go out into the world, uh, I really believe that God's messages come to us from places other than, in addition to the sanctuary and Sunday school classes and confirmation classes, but God speaks to us in a lot of different places. It includes the movies. And I don't mean just the Bible movies or the churchy movies. I mean, I think you can find messages even in the movies we go see on a regular basis, and what's been our theme. And so this past uh, week has been focused on Star Wars. And uh, in seeing Star Wars, I was led to this passage of Scripture. Uh, It is a Scripture that, for me, represents a time when there was a very cosmic battle happening in the Scriptures. Now, Jesus came into the world to bring in the kingdom of God. And uh, that was a very conflictual situation. The world didn't necessarily want a new kingdom. And we just uh, have been thinking about how, in the study of Matthew I've been doing on Monday nights, that just concluded, uh, some of the folks taking the study were sort of put off a little bit by the way in which Matthew portrays Jesus as being pretty, sometimes caustic, pretty tough. says some tough things. He's He's not a comfy and cuddly Jesus, like you might find elsewhere in Matthew. Jesus is bringing in the kingdom of God into the world and there's strong resistance. And in this passage of scripture from John 14, the, co- the cosmic battle has come down to a very critical moment. And Jesus is knowing he's facing his death. And he's there with his disciples. And we often hear this passage read in funerals and at Lent. What I want you to hear it is, is Jesus getting ready to pass the torch, the faith, the power, the force to his disciples uh, so that they can then go out and be what God will need them to be in the future. So I invite you to draw your attention to the screen and hear today's scripture. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. To be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. Gracious and loving God, I ask you to help us hear your holy word in the midst of all the words and actions that are spoken today. We pray that it is the message of truth and the power that comes from you and from you alone that equips us to go out back into the world. I ask you now to bless our hearing, and I humbly ask you to bless what I share, not for our glory, but for yours. In the name of Christ, so be it. Amen.
if any of you think you're sleeping today during church, I would reconsider, because I'm ready. It's been a lot of fun playing with the Star Wars imagery this week. I've had a lot of suggestions about what to do uh, with it, and I was grateful that I was provided this lightsaber. Um, In fact, here's how in tune you are to Star Wars. So in the first service, I had the lightsaber in my hand, and I, as you will soon discover, I'm going to keep it in my hands for a while. And uh, I went through the whole sermon, and afterwards, several people came up to me and said, Pastor Rick, you know you had the red saber. That's Darth Vader's saber. You need to have the blue one. And I thought, well, they don't know the mood I'm in today, so maybe it was appropriate. But I did shift. I did shift. And so this is, this is the saber of the force that Luke Skywalker, for example, or Ray would have in, in their hands. What a movie. Now, for those of you who went thinking, oh, I'll go, but I don't know if I really like it. I, know, I hope you had the same experience that a number did. They just liked the movie. It was just a fun movie to go to, uh, whether you're a Star Wars aficionado or not. Well, it certainly has struck the chord with a number of folks, because in addition to people who see it over and over again, enough folks have done that, that by the early part of January, the film, this film, not the series, this film grossed $1.5 billion. Um, And that's not even talking about the merchandising that goes along with Star Wars. How many of you remember seeing Star Wars in 1977 when it was first released? I knew that, oh, look at you. Yes, indeed you did. You stood in line, and you, and you loved hearing the story. The story's a wonderful story, and in it we hear this eternal story of the battles between good and evil. John Williams' score is fantastic, and if you've never really heard it, just played by an orchestra... It's fantastic, and when you hear the first few notes, you know what you're listening to, don't you? It's an amazing story. George Lucas, when he was talking about this in an interview with Charlie Rose recently, he said that when he went about the business of starting the Star Wars series of movies, he wanted to write and produce a movie that was of a contemporary mythology. He said, what that meant is I wanted to tell an archetype kind of story that we would all understand that this is what we believe. This is what we think is true. We believe that there's good and evil in the world, and we want to choose to be on the side of good. We want to have the force be within us. That was his attempt to try to help us understand then, by this story, how do we live in our culture? What do we want to be? Do you want to be on the dark side, or would you rather feel the power of the force within you? I was drawn to the story. I sat there with Laura the other night, and I leaned over and said, I just love the expansiveness of this movie. I'm so glad I saw it on, in a movie theater, not just on DVD. This is the kind of movie you need to see on the big screen. The size of it is massive, not only just in the sense of the, of the footage, which is spectacular, but also just the size of the story. I love the way that in it we find the story of powerful humanity in the midst of of a much global context, the story of friendship, the story of betrayal, the story of love, the story of what it is to be part of a larger community fighting for good. I love how in Star Wars you have the two contrasting sides of the dark side and the side of the force. But I also love the way that oftentimes in the movie those sides are this close. I wish that every choice I had to struggle with was a choice of, oh, this is entirely right and this is entirely wrong. 
But I discover in my life, oftentimes, it's this close. And having to sort it out. I love the truth, then, of this story of Star Wars. Now, I've not seen all the movies. I'm going to be confessional. I have them all now in my office because I want to shout out to Jeremy Dean, who's in the balcony right now. Jeremy Dean is my Star Wars guru. (laughs) Give it up to Jeremy Dean. Not only do you want to go to Jeremy Dean if you want to know anything about any of the movies, if you want to get into a long discussion about the application and what's happening next, Sit down with Jeremy Dean. He's got his act going on with that. And there was a big battle in the church this week about not letting him put all of his Star Trek, or Star, Star, I'm sorry, Star Wars memorabilia up front here, because there are millennial falcons and everything ready to fly through the sanctuary. But I don't have any Star Wars PJs at home. I don't. However, it's amazing how a 60-year-old man can put a lightsaber in his hand and turn into a nine-year-old boy. I mean, this, I mean, I've been in battle all this week. Oh, no, oh, no, the force is without me. And I've been in battle all this week, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I was going to pull someone out of the audience and have a lightsaber battle today. Come on up, come on up. All right, which one do you want? Do you want, you want this one? Oh, I love it. All right, are you ready? Are you ready? Go. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Ah! Good job. We could have fun doing that. I was worried that people would say, oh, you're not supposed to have battles in church. But there are battles in church every Sunday. Every Sunday we gather together. Every time we come to church for a Bible study or a potluck or any time we're together, it's about a battle that's going on. It's a very big battle. For us, we gather together. And when we gather together, we even like Star Wars have songs that the minute you hear it, you know exactly where you are. Listen. When do you hear that song? What's it called? Christ the Lord is risen today. That's our battle cry. You know why people show up at church on Easter? Because they remember that there's a battle going on. The church is packed at Easter because it's the Sunday when the world says, Oh, that's right, we're in battle. And we're going to come and gather together. And we're coming to get a power. We're coming to have strength in our life for the battles that we're going through. Easter is a celebration of the fact that we are the disciples of the one who's gone into the battle and ultimately decided how this series is going to end. God wins. This is about power today. It's about the power of God's presence in our life. 
Jesus had power. That's why people came to him. There were all kinds of teachers in his day. But they were drawn to him because he had the power to change people's lives. When people were sick and they came to him, they were healed. When people were hungry and they came to him, he fed them. 5,000, 4,000 at a time with just a little bit of food. He had the power to make that happen. He had the power to take on the establishment and bring it to its knees. People wanted that power in their life. And ultimately, his power drew the challenge of the power of the world, which is where the scripture comes from. Because on that night, when he's gathered with his disciples, he's about to surrender his power. He's about ready to let go of his power and let the world do with him what the world was going to do with him. But, he was promising to his disciples then and now, the power that I've shown you is nothing in comparison to the power I'm going to give you. Coming to you is the power that will allow you to go into the world and do battle for all ages so that the kingdom of God might reign in this world. Jesus Christ came into the world to give us power. And all too often we have taken that power and we've turned it into something else. We've taken that power, we've made it a theology. Here's how you should think. We've taken that power and we've turned it into moralism. Here's how you ought to behave. We've taken that power and turned it into a closed community of people who just like to get together and practice what they believe with each other. We've taken that power and mistakenly thought we were given it to use for ourselves and ourselves alone. No Jedi ever felt that the force that was with them was for their own use alone. It was to be part of a larger battle. Jesus here is saying to each and every one of us who would want to follow Jesus Christ, this is not about a, a way of patterning your life, it's a way of living It's a way of experiencing power in our life so that we would begin to discover that the church is intended to be a place of deployment out into the galaxy to share the power with other people and let that power change their lives with no agenda. When we gather together as a community of faith, we oftentimes gather with some understandings that I think get in the way of us experiencing the full power of God. But I know in this room there are people who have experienced power. I know there are people in this room who have experienced the power of Christ to intercede when they needed it. Aren't there? I did a sermon series probably a year ago or so. 
And then I was talking about the Lord's Prayer. You remember that, right? Well, I did. But what I want to tell you is, is I know that when I taught about the Lord's Prayer, someone came up to me after worship. I mean, like several weeks after the worship. And told me about an incident that happened in their life. Where someone came up and just ripped them a new one. Just verbally just took them to town. And this is a friend of mine whom I know pretty well. Who is very capable of turning around and ripping it back. But instead he prayed the prayer. And felt the power of God. Right? Right? felt the power of God change his life and not go after this guy. Have you felt the power of Christ intervening in your life? Anyone? Power is real. It's not about, gee, I hope I can get to be a better person. It's about empowering you to be the person you will never get to be on your own. There's a power that we have in community. We could do this Jesus thing on our own. You could study about Jesus and try to live like Jesus lived. You could do that, except, of course, you'd have to ignore all the teachings that Jesus gave that said we were intended to be in community with each other. Jesus knew this was not a faith that you live alone. Jedis don't go off on their own unless they also come back to a community. Right now, our hearts and minds are focused on the city of Flint. Now, that's my home. I was raised just north of there. My grandparents lived there. I spent a lot of my childhood in Flint. So I think about Flint a lot. And I've known for a lot of years, Flint has been the city we have all ignored. We've all ignored. The whole, whole state is ignored. People in Genesee County don't even want to recognize Flint. But now it's in the national and global spotlight. Because somehow, we allowed a community of, what is it, six, 900,000 people have unhealthy water for several years. You think that had happened in Oakland County? Never. But you know what I find disturbing? Right now, in the face of children who do not have healthy water to drink, there are people who are spending time trying to figure out who to blame. Stop it! Who cares? Fix it! There's a child whose water source is giving them lead poisoning. Stop your posturing and your politicizing. Get some fresh water to those families. That's why we sent $8,000. And that's why I'm asking if any of you want to go in the city next week to spread water, then you can do that. Because here's what I've learned this week. Every United Methodist Church in the city of Flint is now a declared emergency water resource center. They have water and they have water filters. They're trying to. They keep running out. And yes, FEMA's coming in, and you know what that means. That's great. I'm not against that. Thank God. But that's not organized yet. There's not resources on the ground yet. You know who's got the resources? The church. And you know, after FEMA's in there, and after what's happening right now with the state resources in Flint, what's going on? And the distribution of water resources in Flint... When people come to the centers to get the water, they're asked to give their names and their addresses, show ID. I get why they do that. That's fine. 
But do you understand there are people who are not going to go give the government their names and their ID? And there are some who, quite frankly, can't. You know where they're getting their water from? The church. Because the church doesn't care where you came from. They care that you don't have water for your children. That's why I'm a part of the church. Confirmation class is sitting right here. You know why I'm a part of the church? Because I'm not that good. I'm real poss- it's possible for me to sit around and hear the stories and do nothing. It's possible for me to sit around and blame people who should have done it better. But when I'm part of the church, it reminds me I can't sit around and just blame and talk. And po- I have to go do something. And if I can't get there myself, I'm a part of a family of faith that's doing something. That's why you join the church. So you can be part of a force in the world that can get to places and do things no one else can. That's power. That's why we're here. There's a power in this community. There's a power in this community that you have felt, many of you have felt in times when you've been on your own facing struggles and challenges of all kinds, health issues, loss of job issues, broken relationship issues, and I can go on and on and on. But because you were in a faith community, somebody was with you, somebody was praying with you, and somebody was going to make sure you were okay through the process. Amen? There's power in this community. That's why we exist. That's why Jesus called us to be together, so we can share that power with each other in the world. And that power is given to us Not so we can hold on to it. That power is given to us so that we can go into the darkness and find others to be and invite them to come into the power of the light of Jesus Christ. So I'm inviting you to consider how you might do that. I got a couple suggestions if you don't mind. Can I share them with you quickly? When you pray, don't pray for answers. You know, I have a times I'll come to God and I, and I want to pray, I want God to fix this for me, or I want God to answer this for me. Anybody ever ask that prayer? And I find it's really interesting. I can real quickly make it so that I become God telling the God what to do. God, I need you to, could you figure, God, I need you to get over it. What? But when we surrender ourselves into the power of Christ without agenda, when I quit trying to manipulate the situation to be what I need it to be, and instead ask for God to give me the power to get through whatever will be, it's amazing how fast things change. It's a good chance you came here this morning worried about someone or something, something in your life, someone in something else's life, and you're bothered by it, and you're praying really hard for this or that to happen. It's okay to pray that prayer. God receives it. I've prayed it billions of times. But I wonder if it might be time instead to ask God just to give you the power and surrender and let God be God in this situation. Whatever happens, let God be with you. Trust the power that Christ has. Come to worship. We come to worship. I'm a professional worshiper. I've got a robe for worship. You know what I'm saying? 
put a mask on, I'm pretty close to... Oh, never mind. (laughs) The danger about being a professional worshiper, the danger about being a professional worshiper, robed people, (laughs) is you begin to evaluate worship by how much it feeds you or inspires you. Newsflash. We don't exist here to inspire you. We exist here in worship so that you will go out and inspire others. We don't exist here to make sure you're fed alone. (laughs) Boy, I'll tell you, how many times in my life have I had people say, well, pastor, that sermon didn't feed me. Of course, I get that one a lot, but... You know, or I hear people say in worship, you know, I go to, but that church didn't feed me. Guess what? Jesus did not invite us to come to worship so you could get fed. Jesus invites us to come to worship so you can learn to feed yourself. And then go feed others. Quit trying to rely on making sure that either I get it right enough or they get it right enough to get you through a week. If that works, that's great. I'm glad that's happening. But guess what? We're here to make sure next tomorrow you're doing what you need to do for yourself to get through the week and so you can feed someone else in the name of Jesus. That's called real power. Amen? Can we stop trying to show everybody our good side? Can we stop trying to make sure everyone knows what we do well? It's okay. You are talented. You are gifted. You are blessed. You are good people. You've got good things about you, and you should show them to magnify God. But guess what I've come to discover? I've discovered that the power of Christ is released most in my weakness, not my strength. And I have this default pattern to think if I work harder and I'm a better Rick, it's going to be a better thing. Guess what? That doesn't always happen. Sometimes I just got to lay myself down and surrender to a power which is greater than me and let it flow around me and through me to make what's impossible possible. Anyone ever tells you you don't have it enough to do what you need to do? You can tell them this. You're a child of God. And how you expect to get things done is mostly by the power of God flowing through you. And that'll be all the power you ever need. I mean, I got about 10 minutes more worth of sermon to go, but probably not 10 minutes is worth going through. Let me just tell you this. I'm just knowing that there are a long list of people I'm aware of, and I'm not even aware of a sliver of the folks in the world right now who need power. You've got people in your life you know who need help, who need strength. I've got a long list of people who are now going through a lot of health issues. Laura Spearin sat me down the other day, and we were talking about the people who are in need of just the facing health issues. It's a long list. We don't know everybody, but the list we have is pretty long. And they're looking for people to pray for them. You say the prayer list in the bulletin, you think that's not 
a releasing of the power it is. You don't even have to know what's going on with them. You pray for them and let God take over. Issues of relationships that are fractured or broken or unhealthy and they need healing and hope. And maybe the biggest group of the folks who don't even know what they need, who actually think that by living according to their own abilities and purposes, they're fine enough, don't need anything else. The church has nothing to offer them. The reason they think that is they've never experienced the power of Christ that the church has to offer. They think all we've offered is programs and agenda and membership. Are you ready to go out and be the power-filled disciples of Jesus Christ and let the life force within you, we call the Holy Spirit, loose into the world? That's really the only significant thing you have to offer. And yet it's everything that changes lives in the world. Remember at the end of Star Wars, the movie, uh, The Force Awakens, we just saw there's the end of the movie. I'm not going to spoil it for you, those who haven't seen it yet. But there's the end where one of the characters is standing like this. Do you remember that? Very end scene. Remember? Don't, don't say who it was and don't say who they're doing this to. You got the picture in your head? That immediately took me back to the middle 1700s. John Wesley is sending out three guys he ordained He didn't have the authority to do it, but he went ahead and did it anyway. Because they needed leaders of the Christian church in the colonies in the Americas. And he sent these three guys out to lead the church. And knowing John Wesley, he could spend time arguing to them what kind of theology they need to have or what kind of church structure they need to organize. He said three words. Offer them Christ. Just give them Christ. The power of Christ. May the power of God flow through you so much this week that quite frankly you can't stop it from flowing out to others.